0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia from which we conduct our podcast. We would like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I Hello everyone and welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today I'm joined with Prism, aka Finn Barker. Hello. Hello. Hello, how are you going?
1: <laughs> good. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good. It's a nice morning. I've had breakfast.
0: What'd you have for breakfast? Eggs
1: on toast every day.
0: Nice. Yeah. How many?
1: Two. Two eggs. Two sunny eggs side. Sunny side up. Feeling good.
0: Beautiful. It's
1: a nice drizzly day in Brunswick.
0: It is it's my actually. favorite.
1: I kind of like it. It's nice and cozy. Yeah, I a cozy have... jumper on, so it's you
0: do. I had it's two nice. eggs this morning as well. Again? I, yeah, oh, my I God. I know. I don't know why I'm on this, like, I had um, garlic bread. Like, I, like, did a bit of butter and garlic bread. Yum. And, like, sautéed vegetables. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah. See, that's a bit more than I've had bread. And I don't
0: bread know. And I was eggs. feeling really, like, cute this morning. <laughs> 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 I a bit feeling of a brekkie. Cute, so I'm going to have some eggs.
1: I like it. Yeah. yeah. And
0: so, okay, so you're from Lismore. I am. Um. And then, so when did you move here?
1: I moved to Melbourne in, I've been in Melbourne on and off for the past few years, but as of New Year's this year is the first time that I've actually lived full time in Melbourne.
0: Right. And so is, it, is, there, is there somewhat of a music scene in Lismore? There is actually
1: more than, than you would think, um, especially in the areas around like Lismore, Byron, Lennox Head, there's actually quite a few really cool bands around there. Um. Yeah, the scene's pretty good, but this year, obviously, with mass flooding and devastation, the scene isn't looking as good. Yeah. Um. But no, there's lots of cool stuff going on. Lots of cool little bands. Um, coming out of there. It's cool. Good.
0: And when did you start making music?
1: I started making music when I was about thirteen. I played guitar from when I was about seven or eight. Um, and then in year eight, I had to do a personal interest project. So Ooh. like, just kind of one of those things where you've got to do whatever interests you and do a presentation on it and all that jazz. And I decided I want to make wanted to make a song. So, so you made your first song. I made my first song. Yeah, I just kind of downloaded uh, Fruity Loops at the time, which um pretty basic little uh, production software, and just kind of taught myself how YouTube tutorials and stuff and oh my did God. that. And then I realized that it was a lot of fun and decided to keep making songs. <laughs> was it a good song? Uh, I don't know. I've actually been trying to like, I actually emailed my library, like the, person, <laughs> the, li- the librarian was the person that like collected all the assignments and stuff and I no longer have the computer that it was on. And I remember like five years later, emailing the librarian being like, you don't happen to have like (laughs) that. She's like, why would I have that? I was just like, yeah, I know, but I haven't actually heard it probably in about seven years. I've got a vague like memory of what it sounded like. And it wasn't great, but it was,
0: you know. Aww, it would was- no, be fun <laughs> to like rework it even. Or I know. Like-
1: I, I really like, I really wish that there was a way for me to hear it, but I just don't think there will be. Damn. Um, that's all right.
0: <laughs> and so that was kind of like the start of your production esque vibe?
1: Yeah. So I started producing in that 2013 time. It was just after. um. Flume had gone massive, and I feel like they had a really, really big impact on the Australian electronic scene. It was when, like, I feel like studio setups were becoming a lot cheaper. Um, you could buy a MIDI keyboard and a production software and, you know, do what Flume did, and he was basically, like, one of the first really, really, really popular bedroom producers. Yeah, And on his, like, deluxe album, he released... Um, on the fourth C D he had like a demo copy of Ableton and then like a bunch of the stems for the songs of his first album and you could kinda like rework them and
0: oh, cool. do all that, which is
1: cool. So after the um after the year eight project, I bought that and then got into Ableton and started um trying to be like Flume. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then so have you always been into electronic music? Is that kind of the music you've always wanted to make? No.
1: I, I've i made electronic music for like four years before listening to much of it at all. Right. Really weird. I was into like rocky rock, new wavy shit. Rocky was rock. Like, yeah, just like, I don't know, indie rock, alternative rock, all that kind of stuff. And then when I started, it was, I feel like there was this cool little um scene of Australian electronic stuff around like... Probably, like, 2012 was when Flume dropped his debut. Um, they had, like, Hermitude had just released uh, Hyper Paradise, which I fucking love that record. And then Flight Facilities dropped their debut sometime around then. Um, and Rufus dropped their first album. It was, like, this really oh, cool, yeah. like... I think it was, like, 2010 to 2012. And I'd been really into Sneaky Sound System and just lots of that really... Um, Australia's got a really, um, like kind of iconic little sound to it. Yeah. I don't think it's a lot to do with like Australian summer and stuff. It's like, I had a chat to my mate and they were like, yeah, you can't really get away with lots of these like sort of songs in England because it's so like rainy and shitty all the time. Yeah, I guess. It's just like, and I think that has a big impact on, you know, smooth Australian electronic summer vibe.
0: yeah like roof down yeah driving down the coast pretty much vibe. yeah
1: coastal energy
0: yeah um, cool and so when did you do you do like much of your songwriting
1: uh yeah I do all the songwriting,
0: right and so when did you start getting into actually starting to like write to your music
1: pretty um I always I feel like at first it's a lot of just like making like 30 second minute little edits of cool little grooves and stuff. And so I probably had was writing little two-minute, three-minute electronic instrumentals that I just share on my Facebook or SoundCloud or whatever. And then um, once I started collaborating with AKA Louie, who is, yeah, kind of my partner in crime at the moment, (laughs) um, that's when it kind of went from just kind of these electronic instrumentals, just kind of ideas to... Um, getting in the songwriting aspect, which was really cool. Wow.
0: Yeah, you just led me into my next question, Great. which <laughs> was: um, you release, well, you have released predominantly majority of your music with Luca, oh, aka Louis. <laughs> um, um, and so, how did you guys meet, and where, like, where did this sort of collaboration partnership come to be? So,
1: okay, it was probably about twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen and I, one of our mutual friends had, was getting kicked out of her house, and so she was having this big street party, and I was about, yeah, about 15, and I had, like, my little studio set up at home, which was, like, um, just from, you know, working jobs at McDonald's or whatever, and I'd saved up enough to be able to buy, like... No, MIDI keyboard. I had a desktop computer, so I didn't have a laptop at this point, but I had a desktop computer, MIDI keyboards, like my guitar, a couple of guitar pedals, um, all that stuff. And then she was like, oh, yeah, we're uh, doing this little party before we get kicked out. It's kind of like a street party. Do you want to play a set there? And I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds fucking – I've never played a live set before. This is uh, oh. yeah, first time I've ever done that. So I went and Luca played – a little kind of acoustic set in the afternoon. And I think I was playing like eight o'clock at night or something. And I saw him play and was like really cool. Um, Didn't really realize how um, into production and how good his songs were really until I, um, until I met him a bit more, but you know, I saw him play and was like, Oh, that's cool. Um, And then I played my set and I literally bought my desktop computer from home. My like, like big computer screen, like, Bought literally my whole home <laughs> set up to this party. It was fucking pretty ghetto. I was like, fuck. Everyone else has got like laptops and shit. And I'm just kind of there like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> I think I should really get a laptop. Um, so I did that. And then I played my first set there, which was awesome. It's like really nice. The first time you see people like dancing to your songs and just lots of my little instrumentals that I've made. And then I reckon it was like a week later, um, me and Luca had gotten each other on Facebook or whatever and I put up a little um, a little snippet of what I've been working on on Facebook and he commented and was like oh is this your music and I was kind of like yeah like I'm not putting someone else's music up like yeah it's mine and he was like this is really cool and then he ended up messaging me and being like Oh, I think, you know, we could do something cool with vocals on this and ended up sending me some of his music and I was like, oh my God, like he actually knows how to write songs really well. And then we, I had this massive kind of flume sounding big song um, that is yet to be released um, and he sent me back a copy of it with vocal ideas and I was down um, somewhere in Yamba or something with my family at the time. And I remember being on the beach and just having my phone there and having, like, a little SoundCloud link he'd sent me and being like, oh, my God, and listening to it, like, on the beach. I being mean, pretty, um, pretty overwhelmed because it was the first time I'd heard vocals on my music and was like, oh, my God, this takes it to um, the next level. And then we just started hanging out and in my year 11 and 12, we would just write a lot, had a lot of sessions in those two years where, He'd just be at my house. He'd be weirding out in the studio. I feel like our sessions can get really, really strange (laughs) and just writing heaps of music, which is really cool. So we've actually got a lot of of demos and a lot of songs um, on the way, which is really exciting.
0: Fun. Yeah. And, like, how did you get to that ice-breaking moment of being able to, like, fully... Just get into a studio and be raw and honest with each other after just kind of meeting.
1: Um, I feel like it was a while. I feel like um, I feel like we had a few jams at first that was just like kind of uh, having fun and just like I don't know. I'd play keyboards a bit and he'd just be on his guitar. Um, and then when we started to actually write, I think it was when we wrote "I Don't Feel It," which was kind of the second. Um, it's our first release, and I think it was the second song we'd worked on. And I think we were both like, oh, my God, this is actually really cool. And so then when we got into the studio after that, I think as we became more comfortable with each other, like as in like my bedroom studio (laughs) where we were working, it would just be (laughs) like, yeah, it'd be really, (laughs) yeah, not really the studio, but, you know, my bedroom. (laughs) But then it was just really, I think we were very comfortable. and, And then because of that, I feel like ideas just start to come because you just you're happy just doing these weird 10-minute jams. And, you know, sometimes when we're doing demo takes, Luca will, like, be, you know, spitting vocals on the spot. And I'll just look at him and be like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, he'd be looking – he doesn't – we've got a song that's just literally, like, it's called Pete the Sheep. And it's literally because, like, I have this big bookshelf um, in my living room when we were, like, we are practicing for a gig. And I just had these kind of like dreamy, jazzy chords that I was playing, and he just starts looking at the bookshelf and like making lyrics out of everything on the bookshelf. And we listened to it back one day, and we were just like, "Oh my god, some of this stuff is strange." So, oh my god, I don't know. It's a lot of fun, though. I feel like, yeah, it's a nice vibe. We'd have we'd have times where it'd be like I had to go to school the next day, and it'd be like three o'clock in the morning, and he'd just been mixing one of his solo tracks somewhere in lismore and i'd get like a message being like oh my god i've got an idea for this and whatever so like he'd come into my family's house like three o'clock in the morning and be like be quiet man like my my family's asleep (laughs) like headphones on doing shit like oh my god. it was very um it was very exciting it was uh yeah very fun Fun. yeah Yeah. heaps of fun and now it's um kind of had a break we didn't see each other for quite a few years because um, I was off doing other stuff. And then just this year, we've kind of reconnected and obviously just released a new song together. And, yeah, there's a lot a lot of stuff coming. It's very, very exciting.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so what has your music journey been like? kind of, like, even, not even just your music journey, your life journey as well in conjunction with your music? Like, I know you did some time in the snow and, yeah. like, been doing DJ sets kind of around town. You spent some time in Japan. How is it all kind of, like, mingled and worked together?
1: Yeah. Um, When I finished school, I remember just um, not being able to kind of stay in that area because it's a really nice, lovely area, but it does get a bit restricting when you leaving school and there's not a whole heap to do um and so we just had heaps of fun me and Luca playing shows and doing all that stuff but I needed to go and just do something so I ended up going to Mount Hotham for the first time um to wash dishes and uh, play music and do I didn't really know what the whole snow thing was about but you find out really quickly (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of fun um but yeah I just kind of went there straight after school and found out that uh, through the guy that books music for the place I was working at, I was working at a place called The Jenny and it's kind of the hub for um, live music and DJs and whatever there. So I ended up being able to get sets um, there and I'd never really DJ before. I'm still not like, I wouldn't really call myself a DJ. I remember going there and being like, uh, Blue, who's the name of the booker, was like, "Oh, here you do like some live electronic stuff," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And then he's like, uh, "Like we do three-hour sets," and I was just uh, like, "Shit!" Like, yeah. I've only got like an hour, and it's and so I just had to kind of wing it and fake it till I made it, and just kind of worked out DJing a bit, and yeah, just started doing the um doing the staff nights. So on a Monday night, they have nights where. It's just kind of all the all the weekend has kind of died down, and it's all the staff partying on a Monday night, which is really fun because you're playing with all your friends, and I don't know, very very fun sets, very interesting sets because, like, I feel like a lot of the time if you're playing a club in Melbourne or wherever, then you're probably going to play like a techno club or a drum and bass club, and you kind of like have to you're playing the genre that you kind of booked for. Whereas the snow season's interesting, it, yeah, interesting, <laughs> because you've got people that are like eighteen to forty, and they're all into like completely different yeah. stars and music. So you've got to somehow find middle ground. And read the room. A yeah, read the room a lot because it can be like really hard to find songs that everyone's gonna like and are still fun, and you know you're not doing too much cheesy stuff and. But it's a lot of fun and I think I learned a lot about people's uh, music taste through that. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. There's not much time to uh, write music when you're up there. You're living in quite close quarters and your life's kind of on fast forward because you're working, you know, 40-hour weeks but then also skiing all day and then partying every night. So there's not much time for um, much else but I did get to DJ a lot and play a lot of live sets which was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, sick. Yeah. And then you went... Did you go to Japan after that or before that?
1: Uh, After that. So, kind of a lot of the people in the snow just chase snow all year. So, they might go from like Australian snow season to Japan to Canada or, you know, Europe or whatever. But people like... I feel like people, once they are in that lifestyle, they just want to keep that going. So, um one of the managers at my work said to me, he was like, oh, yeah, I like own a couple of businesses over in Japan um, in a place called Nazawa Onsen. And I'm like, oh, I've actually been there before um, when I was 16 with my dad. Um, and I really liked it. So I was like, yeah, I'll come, come live in Japan for a bit. Like that sounds like heaps of fun. And ended up doing the music there as well, uh, which was really interesting because... The kind of scene in Nizawa, it's it's still a pretty traditional Japanese uh, place. So you've got like Hakaba and Niseko, which are quite westernized. Um, there's like a lot more Australians and Canadians than Japanese people there, but it's a lot more of a party vibe as well. So Nizawa has a lot of small bars, but didn't have like a dance floor in town or anything. But it was really fun. Me and my boss. Um, Ended up, he has this uh, pizza cocktail bar that's like in an old car park that they've converted. Cool. Yeah, it's it's called uh, Gotchiso. It's great. And we ended up doing little monthly events where we turned that into a bit of a nightclub situation, um, which was a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people around town were very excited for it. Ended up being very, very big nights and a lot of fun.
0: Gee. Yeah. So Heck yeah, and so with your live, I guess your live setup. What's your dream live setup? And also, like v- visually wise, and also like equipment wise, I guess if you want to go there. <laughs> yeah. And also, what was your like old school live setup? Okay, questions. I like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, my old school setup is kind of just like uh, play guitar live have, you know, a bunch of pedals and then I have a MIDI keyboard and a synthesizer and a little, like, drum pad. I'm kind of, like, pretending to play the drums yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> um, and so I kind of just... Kind of one-man band, Electronic, uh, without using Ableton to uh, loop and do all that stuff. And then when Luca was around and we did shows together, he would play guitar and sing, um, which was heaps of fun. It's just, like... It's really fun, but you're relying on a laptop, which is fucking terrifying. Like, and I've been talking to people about this recently and it's just so scary, like, having your whole life set up, but it's on this laptop. So, you know, at any moment, it can crash and then, you know, you might have a room full of 150 people and all of a sudden there's no music and any yeah. vibe that you've tried to create is just gone. So, I'm trying to put it put in as many foul safes um, in the set so that you can have multiple laptops or things going on because it is terrifying. But it's hard because it also opens up your ability to do really cool stuff when you can go through Ableton.
0: Yeah, it's so true actually. You just, everyone, you're always relying on technology. Even this morning, like, the interface wasn't working, like, a slight bit. And I was like, well, that's it. That's it. We're (laughs) done. That's what I'm doing today. (laughs) And, yeah, it's hard. Like,
1: I feel like once you get past the level of, you know, established and you've got, like, a kind of production crew, it's not a worry anymore. Like, I've still seen it happen. Like, I remember seeing James Blake at Splendor in... 2016. I'm not sure when it was, but I remember seeing his set, and then one of their songs extended for ages. And at the end of the song, he was like, he said something about the drummer or the, or maybe it was the keyboard player, and he was like, thanks for him for getting us through that technical difficulty because one of their laptops had dropped out. Oh my and god! And so he had to just jam it, and I feel like the whole crowd looked at each other and were like, wow, no one, no one noticed. That's <laughs> so sick. I know. So it still happens to like. Um, you know, I've seen footage of Skrillex or whoever DJing where they fuck something up, and then the whole room's silent. Like it happens a bit, yeah. And especially until you've like, you know, when you're just you know, an emerging artist, and it's just you, and you don't have a big team of people doing all your equipment. It's it's very um, it's very worrying. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. also like
0: a ma- not a make or break thing, but it's like. Some people are there seeing you for the first time, and it's like that's the impression that you're leaving on exactly like you
1: exactly (laughs) no pressure yeah (laughs) it's though it is it's a lot of pressure so I'm trying to get that as safe as I can before I play again because I feel like I haven't done that live stuff in a while and I will but yeah I don't want my first set to (laughs) crumble uh, in a silent room yeah it's very awkward but I would love um. I would love eventually to play with uh, a band. I would love to do a three piece, um, whether that be like me, the Luca doing, you know, I'll do computer stuff and synthesizers and guitar, and Luca can sing and play guitar. And I'd love to have a live drummer. I feel like mm. live drums and electronic music are where it's at.
0: I went to a gig the other night, Morning Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a live, like he had a live drummer and like a horns kind of section. And I don't know why I just never really thought that it would go together, like a band and yeah. electronic music. I c- you don't really see it very often where like a, no. a DJ, like if you're going to a big event or something that they have kind of a band playing with them. But it's the yeah. coolest thing ever when they're j- you're just like, whoa, where'd this fucking horns yeah, literally. section come from?
1: For sure. Um, yeah, I've seen a few people do it. Um, remember the Avalanches when they released uh, Wildflower and they hadn't played in 16... Well, they hadn't released music in 16 years. And I was really into the first album and then I got obsessed with the second one and I saw that they were doing um, a live show. So it was at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney. Oh, cool. I saw them at and it was great, but it was kind of funny. It was like really rough um, and they had a live drama, live guitars had someone just doing the theremin, like, you know. They're like Oh, my Ooh.
0: God. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and I remember it was a bit rough around the edges, the whole set, but just the energy of mixing, like, electronic and organic, like, mm. it gives it that really real feel, which is, like, I don't know. It, there's a lot of energy in it. I think Flight Facility do it pretty well. I think they've got a decent live setup. Um, a lot of rappers, when you hear rappers that are playing with drummers, like, similar concept yeah, of, like, true. adding that. That organic element that just makes it feel really raw and,
0: yeah. and fun. Yeah, and like you're watching a live show and not just like watching someone stand there and push buttons. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like obviously they don't just stand there and push buttons. Oh, no, but, you but know.
1: 100%, like, I don't know, definitely um gives it that more band feel.
0: Yeah. Fun. Yeah. And Here I Am. Yeah. Just came out, what, a month ago? Not even. Yeah, it, was like it three and, and a half weeks ago. Oh, my God. It feels what is like... it?
1: On the 5th of May. So, yeah, probably like three weeks yeah. or something. Yeah.
0: And so, how did this track kind of come to be? You've given us a little taste, but yeah, how did it come to be? What's it about? What's yeah, it s- what's it sounding like? <laughs>
1: um, Here I am. Here I am was written t- t- in twenty seventeen.
0: It's a long time ago.
1: Well, yeah, it wasn't all written there. It's actually been it's been one of those tracks that I have worked on in like six different countries. It's been on my laptop for like. 78, like five years or whatever? Um, but me and Luca, I think one of our classic our songwriting process um, was very much originally like I would be working on all these different grooves and, you know, little 30 second sound bites. And I'd send him like a big SoundCloud list and be like, what do you think of all these? And he'd kind of go through them and be like, oh, this idea three, like, that's awesome. Or, you know, find ones that he liked. And then. I'd be like, okay, sweet. So then I'd go and flesh out the idea a bit more and I'd send it back to him. And then I think Here I Am, we were actually in the same studio um, when he wrote the melody, which didn't actually happen that much. A lot of our songs, even though we were writing all the time, would be written by ourselves, just through sound yeah. links, Um which is very common now. But I remember, I think we were getting ready to play a show and we were practicing... And we were meant to be like doing the whole practice a set, do it again, practice a set, do it again. But we got onto this little idea and just started writing the chain and it'd be like, man, stop. We need to like rehearse. <laughs> but at the same time, we were just onto this yeah. idea. Um, and then, yeah, I think towards the end of uh, 20, 2018 when I left, we had like this half-baked song. We knew was like had a lot of potential. But it was one that we just couldn't figure out for ages. It was just like, I'd send it to him and he'd be like, this is really cool, but like, what's the chorus? Like, what do we do after this? Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, And then in the... I came back from Japan and I had to do the two-week quarantine. And I remember getting into... Had my laptop and just had my headphones and I remember just, just working on it and being like okay, I think I've got it, and then I sent it back to him, and he's like, okay, like, we can work with this now. Yeah. And that was really exciting, because I was like, oh, fucking finally. (laughs) Yeah. I thought this was not going to happen. And then there was probably another year. Um, I still hadn't seen him in a while. I was living in Melbourne, working on it um, for a while, and then we would have a few Zoom sessions where we'd be starting to mix it. And then it would have been about when was it uh, about november last year where we got into the studio we had all the final vocal takes done and we were like okay like i think it's done <laughs> which is the weirdest thing because you're always like i even listen back now and i'm like oh i forgot to add that like little triangle sound in the second chord." <laughs> like yeah it's, it's one of those ones where you just have to be like no it's done and i remember being finished and we sent it off for mastering and it was amazing. <laughs> now it's done. And now it's done and now it's out in the world and it's going well and people are liking it and it's a very nice feeling. Yeah. yeah. Especially because it's been been there for so long and it's ultra inspiring and it really makes you want to get more stuff out. Yeah. It's a very good time for the track as well. Um, I feel like lyrically it's a, like a song that's very about like resilience is like a main theme in the song. And I was I remember saying last year, I was like, I know it's like a shame that you know, it hasn't come out already, but it's a really nice time to to put it out because I feel like, you know, coming out of COVID and everything's getting back to normal. I feel like that resilient strength Yeah, things about the track is like, it's a really nice time to have themes like that in music. For sure. You know, I've even noticed with the music I listen to now compared to... You know, yeah. Before the lockdown, I'm listening to fucking stuff that makes me feel good. Yeah, like bad mean, bitch music. Literally, like, <laughs> definitely.
0: I'm like out here playing Nicki Minaj yeah, like literally. all the time just because it's making me feel like a fucking mm-hmm. bad bitch. 100%. Literally.
1: Um, but nah, it's very exciting. Yeah.
0: Speaking of, yes. your inspirations, inspirations, and, and just music that you've been listening to and vibing with, yeah. Um, Yeah, music that you kind of want to, like, take parts of and make it your own that you kind of get a little bit inspired by.
1: Hmm. I think uh, just originally Flume was a really big one. Um, Not that I, like, as of recent, not as much as of for quite a while, but I think that first album, I didn't really listen to electronic music and then I heard that and was like, oh, wow, this is, like, really different. Um, and that made me want to be like, okay, I think there's something to this whole electronic yeah. thing. Um, so definitely like I was saying that, f- that whole Australian sound, I think was really nice when I was like 12, 13. Um, and then a lot of the nineties sound, I'm really obsessed with like stuff like, uh, Moby and the Chemical Brothers, um, the Prodigy, uh, Massive, Massive Attack, Southern. a lot of, yeah, a lot of that. Um, really gritty 90s stuff and that's like definitely thanks to my parents I feel like that's what they what they froth what they really like um, but I love it because it's like really raw electronic music um, I really like electronic music that isn't too clean and has a bit of an edge and I feel like that like 90s, 2000s, early 2000s sound has that, it's just like relies on relies on the
0: vibe yeah totally the
1: energy of it um so I did listen to a lot of that um and then I never really used to listen to pop music but I think especially (laughs) in the last year I think this is like I am correlating it to COVID because I feel like I used to be like maybe listening to darker stuff or but now I'm just like Fuck that. I've been listening to fucking The Weeknd and Justin Timberlake. and fucking Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Like <laughs> I just, feel like cheesy pops your uh, calling. Del- <laughs>
1: right. I know. Like it, recently it's just been like, I just want massive hooks and feelsy choruses and stuff yeah. like
0: that. Full Pharrell Williams happy vibe. Pretty
1: much, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like taking a lot of inspiration from, from just like really, really well-written pop music, like Dua Leaper and The Weeknd and people like that. Um, I've always been uh, hugely inspired by Mark Ronson, um, yeah, especially his first couple of albums. I just like, I just think he's such a versatile producer, and he like just very, very, very cool. And you he's see, such like, an
0: underdog, he is, and he's like, just
1: on everything. Yeah, like, he does everything. He you know, Mark everything. Ronson's done this, and, and I'm like, what?
0: The, how? Where? He's like a million people at once.
1: Yeah, literally. And I feel like whenever you watch interviews with, like, producers or anyone, when they talk about working with Mark Ronson, they're like, oh, my God, like, this guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, Kanye West, it's kind (laughs) of like, I feel like he's such an asshole, (laughs) which makes it hard, but his production and, um, and some of his tracks and just, like, um boundary pushing stuff I really, really like, especially yeah. older stuff like graduation and um dark, beautiful twisted fantasy, just some of the instrumentation and stuff on that is a huge inspiration for a lot of the a lot of the prison vibe,
0: yeah, for sure. I think also seeing like artists like that, um, I can't remember who said it to me, but they were like you know when they're good, when they can really just like freestyle something on the spot Yeah. in terms of rappers. But also I've seen him like produce something or like literally just like make something up yeah. right on the spot. And it's like the biggest banger ever. Literally. How the hell did you do that on the yeah. spot? And it's just like, that's how you can tell someone is like so creatively inclined. Yeah. Which is insane.
1: Oh, it's awesome. And just like, I feel like he, he just gets, when he produces now, he gets heaps of producers in and songwriters and people that he respects. And I was listening to something about him, an interview from a producer that's worked with him the other day that just said the whole process of writing with him was really, really cool. He said that, you know, a producer would come with an idea for a track and then, you know, Kanye would be like, okay, so what's the one thing in this song that is essential to it? Mm -hmm. And he'd be like, start taking away layers of this song until we find the one thing in this song that, is the core of the song. And then I want you to keep that and we'll write something with that. You know, like, just like, really, yeah. And just, like, I feel like he does have a very creative way of thinking about production. Really good sampling, especially in those early few albums. Um, Yeah, really dark. It's so
0: weird because you think about, like, he probably makes so much music. Yeah. Like, so much music. And how do you even know when you make that much music what you're going to put out. Oh, yeah. And so then he could have this really good song and he's like, nah, fuck that. We're, like, literally going to tear that apart and make something else. Like, I don't know. I think that would be so overwhelming for me.
1: It's quite... I feel like... I mean, I think I even get that a bit. Like, on my SoundCloud private links, there's, like, 120 songs. (laughs) And it's, like, because you just got so many little ideas and stuff. Yeah. And it can get overwhelming, like, especially with me and Luca. We get into the studio and... We have this song we're working on, and then we jam out this brand new idea, <laughs> and be like, "Oh my god, let's work this!" And you have just gotta like discipline yourself, and be like, "No, like one thing at a time." Yeah. Otherwise, we're gonna have <laughs> well, yeah, that's what happens. You have a hundred fucking things that are forty seconds long, and I think the hardest part of writing is finishing tracks. And everyone says this because the most fun for me, um, and for a lot of people, is that first initial like building the idea. I feel like you build the idea, it's really creative, and you're really like you're hearing it for the first time and you get kind of obsessed with it. And then trying to finish it, so trying to do all the little bits that become a bit boring and like doing the mixed stuff is easy to put off and just start new ideas because it's so creative. And yeah. Fun. So I think the discipline is just getting through tracks and just finishing them. Yeah. But
0: I don't know. <laughs> and so, your who would you say is like one of your? You can name a few of your like dream collaborations. Like, who would you love Whoa. to have like work with, feature on a track, or I don't know? Dream collaborations. Wow,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought about this one much. Oh, you gotta manifest this shit, I bro. Know, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm thinking about that now. Um, I really like the way the Jungle Giants work. I Ooh. like they've got a really cool sound. I think there's even people that, like, you know, collaborate is cool. I feel like there's just a lot of people that I would just want to sit in on their sessions as mm. well and just see. Like, I would love to – I mean, I think I would be terrified to ever do a collaboration with Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, but I think I'd want to sit in the corner of the room and be like, <laughs> Yeah, be a fly oh, on the wall. Pretty much. Um, dude, collaborations – uh, Jamie XX, actually. That's one I forgot to mention. In terms, um, He's one of the biggest influencers. There you go. I know, yeah. Maybe, actually, that'd be great. I'll, I'll lock in Jamie XX. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm obsessed with him a bit, especially recently. He's got that new track out this year, which feeds into, like, it's like, it's called Let's Do It Again. And it's just, like, mm, it's really, a song. it's fucking awesome. It's, like, and it, I feel like it's the same thing as that coming out of COVID thing. It's, like this kind of inspiring dance for, like, I, like, it, listen to it when I'm cooking my eggs every morning. <laughs> you know, it's like a little ritual. I feel like I have certain songs that in the morning I wake up and it's like, okay, I've got these three songs. At the moment, it's fucking Justin Timberlake, Jamie XX and Paul Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> and it just gets me ultra hyped for the day and that song especially.
0: Well, So what's coming? What's upcoming for PRISM? What upcoming. What do you want? Or what? what? What are you? What are your
1: goals? Goals. Um, release more music and play more live shows. Um, do more collaborations. I feel like um, there's. I need to start collaborating with. I want to collaborate with a few more female vocalists. Um, got a lot of songs ready to go for vocalists to jump on. Um, and then me and Luca have a bunch of songs to st- start putting out as well. So. I feel like working on a mixture of vocal collaborations and then I am also have like a 40-minute all-instrumental mixtape coming at some point too. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is going to be really exciting. Um, it's going to be very like odd because I've got all these ideas that I just didn't really know what to do with, but um, I feel like a mixtape's a really nice way to get it all out in like a project of work. And it doesn't have to be, like, you're not trying to write commercial success songs. You're just, like, trying to make a, you know, body it's of like, work. Yeah, you're things like,
0: that you're proud of that you want to put pretty out. Pretty much.
1: And, like, you're not really too worried about how they go and whatever. It's just kind of like I'd rather them be somewhere than sitting on my computer forever. Yeah. So, that's exciting as well. Um So, yeah, I think just releasing and writing more, collaborating more, especially in Melbourne, like, there's just so many people doing so much cool stuff. And especially when you go out to gigs, like I love in Melbourne going out to see these artists that aren't, that aren't particularly like popular, but in the Melbourne cult scene, they are so popular. Yeah, right. Seeing Horatio Luna last week. Totally. Like the gig at the Night Cat. And, you know, those guys, I'm sure they've got quite the solid foundation. But when you saw him at the Night Cat, it was like seeing a massive band there. Like Definitely. the room it was sold out, the room was full, there was so much energy and you're like the Melbourne scene is really, really cool and really inspiring because I feel like people find things they like and they fucking love them.
0: Um, well, I'm coming to my um final question. Okay. Which is your Best gig memory and also your <laughs> least favorite gig memory, where it all kind of went all a bit wrong.
1: Okay, I feel like I've had a few of them. You could name a, a few if you like. Um, best gig, oh, um, I've got a couple of different ones. I feel like um, we supported Northeast Me and Luca supported Northeast Party House. Um. Which was really cool. We were playing at the Beach Hotel in Byron and it was like a really decent crowd. Um, And the set went all well and it was a lot of fun. Uh, We were both dressed in these big gold kimono looking things. Um, Really funny though, I was 17 at the time and we got booked for a bunch of these gigs. And so I wasn't even allowed to be in the pub. Oh, yeah. So I had to be snuck in the back. Because I wasn't allowed to be there. That True. had to be like telling the pub that I was eighteen or like finding a way that I wouldn't have to show my ID or going in there at like three o'clock in the afternoon to be yeah. like
0: <laughs> Didn't that happen to who was it? Lord.
1: Lord, yeah, that When Lord was either.
0: like sixteen. Well, she played
1: Splendor when she was like sixteen or seventeen.
0: Like that's makes me not like headline Splendor. Yeah. Like she
1: replaced Frank Ocean or something, like that's not hey when you're 16 when you're 16 like, i was thinking about that i was like oh my god like yeah that's pretty insane but that gig was really fun um i think some of the snow ones like sometimes you play a staff night on a monday night and the it's really nice like the friends you make there you like you work party and live with a lot of the same people, yeah, which can, you know, you can get a lot of weird boundary-crossing shit from that, but it also means that by the end, you're so close. Mm. You're such close friends. So towards the end of each season, sometimes playing those gigs with a lot of the people that you know around the mountain, people, like, it's a lot of fun. You've got packed out. You might have 300 people at a staff night or whatever, and you know a lot of them and it's a lot of your mates and you're playing, you're getting requests and just getting drunk and having fun. Yeah. That was really fun, Um, really nice memories. I feel like in Japan, it was really cool. Um, Just playing internationally is cool, just being like, I'm playing gigs in Japan. Like, you know, that's awesome. I've got, like, um, getting into the Japanese scene there a bit, some really, really cool Japanese people um, I met, especially in the Zawa, um... I I remember having – I was playing a gig at Japan and um, there's a guy called Minori um, and he raps. Uh, and I remember before I'd set up for a gig once, um, he came in and he was like, I want to rap on some of your music just like me and him hanging out. So interesting because, like, he could barely speak any English and I could barely speak any Japanese. And so, like <laughs> – you know, we couldn't really say anything to it, to each other, but I'd start playing the music, and then he'd just, like, be rapping, doing all this cool stuff. That's so And then sweet. by the end, I was just like, oh, mecha mecha segoye it means like, very, very awesome. And then it's like, I right, see ya. <laughs> 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 but it was really cool to have that just musical thing. Um, and then worst gigs. Uh, I've had a few. I've had a few that are just... Um, I feel like the technology thing is stressful. I feel like there's been a few just like music cut out. I feel like you can come back a bit from that. Um, I feel like most of them have been pretty good. I've done – I mean, they do a lot that are just kind of dead – it's not too many really bad ones, so that's I guess good. there's still time.
0: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I feel like it's good. We're just going to keep this ball rolling of no, not, no bad gigs. Well, bad that's, geeks, yeah. You know, let's
1: hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking
0: fingers crossed.
1: Fingers crossed. Um,.
0: Well yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me today. No worries on the podcast. On the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um I usually do a cheers and we've both finished our beers. So we <laughs> cheers with our empty glasses. Let's but cheers <laughs> Sweet. Oh yay. Go
1: listen to Here I Am.
0: Yeah, go listen to Here I Am It's on my Spotify. Prism.
1: And there's a playlist of all the stuff that inspired me, which is really Oh, cool it's too. actually a
0: really good playlist. It is. It's decent as. So there's that. There's that. Fun times. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>